here you go. All right, here we go, guys. It's Post Alone. We're at the finale of season seven, episode 11, Over oh. the Edge. You got to make it to 100. Doesn't matter what happens. No one's coming for you until you make it to that finish line. So this is a new thing that we're dealing with, right? This is what makes this season unique. Um, the tension was palpable. Very much so. You want me to fire mm -hmm. up the quote? Let's do it. What do we got? Let's see. Well, it's a Robert Frost uh, quote. And he says, the best way out is always through. Like, what do you think? That's a uh, that's an interesting one because that actually has. Have you seen um, "Touching the Void"? Uh, remind me of the story. Isn't that like where there's a crash landing or some guys no, got to so crawl out of a glacier? These two British climbers are climbing. One guy falls, compound fractures his leg. They're totally screwed at the top of the mount this mountain in the Andes, and uh, the other guy starts. Um, like lowering him down through the rope That's and right. trying to get him down. And then it's, it's a whiteout. He can't see. So he lowers him over this ledge and obviously he can't pull him back up. The rope isn't long enough to lower him down to the bottom. So he's just stuck there. So he decides to cut the rope. The guy falls. Obviously the guy who cut the rope assumes he's dead. He's goner. So he just climbs down the mountain. The guy who falls, falls into this, this crack, this crevice. And he's down there at the bottom, his legs all busted. He's like trying to think of ways maybe he can climb out of this ice cave. And finally, he's just like, well, like it just goes deeper into the mountain and it's just pitch black. And he's like, my only option is to just keep going deeper. And so he just crawls deeper and deeper into this crevice that seems to be going forever, might be climbing like down in the bottom of the mountain. But then eventually it kind of scoops out. And he uh, gets out of the mountain, crawls his way out. Anyway, that's like the perfect quote for that movie. <laughs> well, yeah, certainly I was a gonna, survival story, yeah. Right? I was going to give the quote uh, a hard run and say, you can't just throw a couple prepositions in and sound <laughs> like it's a maxim, you know? The best way in is up. Think about that one. <laughs> <laughs> well it's anyway, kind of like a, is, kind of like a fish hook though episode. right you know and we see that with the porcupine quills later right you got those barbs you can't or an arrow you know you can't pull it out you got to push it through you got to go a little <laughs> yeah. bit further into the pain right to relieve the pain so well i can say just as a starting spot before we kind of get into the nitty-gritty that this was my favorite episode of alone yeah, I just it was so tense. I love the extra length on it. I was in I was in it for the whole ride. It felt like a movie. Yeah, it felt like they really uh they maxed out on footage. The other ones seem to not be enough. And this one was just satisfying, you know. They they really filled so it good. with all the little uh uh extra moments and extra scenes. And uh may I wonder why they did that. You know, at the end they must have just had all this extra footage and felt like having a blowout hmm. right well i think too it was interesting they wanted to have people connect with all the different stories of the participants so when you're getting down to just those three participants and the days are getting pretty repetitive 
Um, the tension that they're able to build in this episode was that race to the finish. Um, so the editing, I think, was really important. Uh, but they did a good job of creating tension between yeah. the elements, the, the clock, the internal psychological mental factors there so i enjoyed that totally. and the music was phenomenal when they would have the scenes where you know they're like day 59 or whatever it's like shing you know they have the classic sounds yeah but the but the background was like it was like i Driving was activated force, yeah i was yeah. really like and then they'd show negative 30 or whatever and it was just insane Ooh. it's like what those temperatures <laughs> were out of this world I've never experienced a negative 30, but I've experienced maybe negative 20 or something like that. And yeah, it's, it's brutal. What they were talking about with ha not having those outer mitts, you know, the need for dexterity to do anything is huge when you're trying to accomplish a task and you have such a fleeting amount of time before you just get that painful numb sensation on your fingers terrible and i'm talking about like they were with you have gloves on you know you just don't have huge gloves over your gloves or you don't have hand warmers <laughs> or something else in or like, bear mitts you know <laughs> bear mitts are, are definitely <laughs> that's I that's mean, a real helpful edge i thought those would have yeah. been good for the the kitchen you know pulling out hot cast iron pans from the oven <laughs> right yeah it could get a little grease on them you got to watch out when a spaghetti sauce getting sopped up in there clumped on your bare mitts but <laughs> that was the least of their worries what a good show to, to show hey there's lots of gear and lots of high-tech stuff but sometimes nature does it best right the ingenuity and the the wisdom of evolution to create these layers and fabrics and and things that um have helped animals survive these climates and temperatures for millennia right and you know rolling there with the bear mitts the um arctic wolf uh hood yeah. and everything yeah it was insane you know it's it's a mix of sort of really getting woodsy you know as he says but get in that natural environment and and using that right to your advantage you have to go with that flow um for me it's it's also cooler like if the guy who won was like some uh you know gearhead who had like some patagucci you know uh thing for mount everest it's not as cool as like uh callie wearing her like she looked like a she looked like uh like a, a she was like a animal or something like draped yeah. in all that and and everyone rolling was... with his glove and every everybody well, looks to, to reference another famous survival story that's that's exactly what happened with the the race to the South Pole do you remember uh, Ernest Shackleton versus Roald yep. Amundsen and they both had the two competing strategies where Amundsen was all he got tons of funding and investors and he got all the best gear and all this new freeze-dried food and high quality or the you know new technology parkas and Shackleton went like all native he was they were yeah. eating seal blubber they were using wow. the same stuff the natives used 
and uh, they ended up making. Well, and I mean, the new tech gear, right? Freeze dried was like the new thing, but it was still pretty minimal. Wasn't we were not we're not talking what they're using on base camp, but definitely yeah. point taken that creating a synthetic fabric or something like we always talk about Gore-Tex, but what's really Gore-Tex? It's nylon, which isn't too high tech, you know, multiple layers coated with a specific polymer that creates repellent um, nature against the elements and allows some breathability, but it breaks down, you know, if you get it wet, if you get it dirty, if it's, it has a lifespan, you have to retreat it. So those natural things like remember Roland with his brains uh, rubbing them on the gloves, you know, the ability to be out in the bush and reconditioning your supplies or getting the most life out of them. Endurance style is um, a different property from if you're just going out for the day, right? Or you're able to hit, go back to camp and, and re-gear up or resupply. Well, so let's see. So in this episode, we start. We, we could talk about Kylan probably first because she was the first uh, to drop out. Yeah, uh, we got three you guys... left. We're starting around. Got about thirty days left. Day sixty-five. Um, yeah, again, I was just super impressed. I I just always had. I wrote her off from like the fifth episode, fourth or fifth. I was like, she's gonna drop, and uh, she really. I mean, she was a real soldier hanging in there till day 80 um i think the the biggest thing for me is just the um it was funny i was thinking in my head i was like man she's 80 days she's only got 20 days left uh kind of that classic but you have to realize that's like three weeks <laughs> that's yeah. not like and every day they're talking about now is about four or five hours of daylight so you're in this slog of just feeding the fire and staying in your tent, you know, just in the darkness, in the quiet. And it's just, I've <laughs> never been out for that long, but I remember camping three, four days in sub-zero temperatures and relating to what they're saying about, you know, you're not really resting. You're just warming up your toes like the whole time. I didn't have the luxury of a fire. Right? <laughs> I was in a tent with, um, without that type of a, uh, you know, warm, so different than a shelter, but man, you know, sub-zero temperatures, your it's feet terrible, just do yeah. not get warm. They just never get warm and they're just uncomfortable and they keep you awake. And it's just something like scratching at you, gnawing at you, you know, just saying, Hey, you know, you're uncomfortable. You're uncomfortable. You're uncomfortable. Right. And that's, let's get they've been doing it let's for see. 80 days. Yeah. 20, yeah. 20 yeah. more days. Usually, the 20 to 30 day mark is when you get a bunch of taps at the beginning of this, the season, you know, right. and yeah. those are the people coming in fresh with fat reserves, weather's nice. Yeah. Uh, food's easy to come by. So yeah, at that point, 20 more days is an eternity. It doesn't yeah. seem like it cause they've already been 80, but that's a long way to go. Well, the length of this season added an interesting dimension. It was easier to get a little bit further cause they started earlier. Right. It was took longer to get to winter. So they had the advantage of some late summer, fall type days where things felt pretty good, right? And a lot of people were able to catch what they needed and not worry as much about, um, 
shelters and and preparation but you know who i was people thinking who about, are in Scott? for the long haul yeah who are you I was thinking, thinking about? about the guy from uh who who tapped earlier who took four months to put up like 10 logs of a log cabin i was like man he probably yeah. have that thing about halfway done when it hit negative 30 yeah yeah <laughs> yeah he was getting real craftsy uh Amosa's shelter also i don't think was was solid enough for those low temps i feel and he like was so maybe. close to the water too it's such a brutal experience Ooh. i mean i saw all the different people like ice fishing we're talking about kylan that was definitely a strength for her even though she had some ups and downs it says she lost four three fish um maybe she could have gone longer but she had the wherewithal to get out there she cut the hole she'd had the experience she put down the pine boughs right which insulated her which let her stay yeah, out there a little cool. bit longer That's a good idea and you saw later you know like roland and callie they didn't have success there because you're sitting on ice right the transfer of cold to your body is instantaneous yeah you know? yeah dude so <laughs> i have a i have a funny story that relates to this i did a uh, up on lake superior a uh uh, a lakeside barbecue in January in, on Lake Superior. And it was maybe like 14 degrees. And the lake had, it had been like sub, you know, below 32 long enough that the lake had frozen pretty far out. And so we did the barbecue on the lake, built a fire and we're like cooking chicken okay. out on a nice. stove. And I can tell you that from that experience, didn't matter how much logs and stuff I put on the fire, you're never warm. And like when uh, when I was watching it, one of my thoughts was, well, maybe, you know, when Callie goes out to do her fishing, she should bring some logs and build a fire right there and build it on yeah. <laughs> on the lake next to her. If it's thick enough, you know, you're going to be all yeah. right. But uh, I just don't even think, I think it would have been, wouldn't have been worth the effort. I think she would have been, mm -hmm. her toes would have been cold. They wouldn't have been able to warm up her toes. That's what and, I'm saying. And Roland was talking later too, when you have that limited daylight and you know that you have to, to survive the cold, um, get enough firewood. He was saying there's barely enough time to cut the firewood to yeah, take to you through that 18, yeah. to take you through that 18 hour dark period. Um, so if you have to shave off a little bit of that time to go out and fish and you have to walk, you know, Callie had to walk pretty far to the lake and back, you know, that's right. That's huge. Um, that's true. So very I, I difficult do think the, the risk optimize of, time. of going through the ice is real too. You know, you saw Callie brought that ladder thing out. Roland mm -hmm. was With that, long that, tree. that giant the long log. Stick, yeah. So he could uh, pull himself out. And that is something that happens way more often than than you'd realize with ice fishing and and people hunting in cold conditions and they actually make these things that um they're kind of like these collapsible hooks that you basically like stick into the ice to pull yourself out because if you don't have anything to grab onto once you go through the ice and there's that slick ice imagine you know when you when you try to grab an ice cube out of a cup of water with your bare fingers it just like yeah. slips right out or off imagine, the counter right you got a granite countertop with a slippery half melted ice cube yeah or off the floor it's it's super tough yeah so I, I just think like the risk of you know making a fire or doing anything that might affect the integrity of the ice is just 
that's it doesn't matter if they have their satellite phone and they call in help if they're if they go in that water it's you got 30 minutes right that's about yeah. it right well one thing i was thinking about is what dan was saying about being so cold and wanting to seek warmth that can mess with your head i remember being on a camp camping trip with um the boy scouts you know when i was younger and there was a kid in a campsite there was a few different groups together it was like a big group uh different um troops came together and so cold sub-zero temperatures three days in a row kid has a big warm coat can't get warm so he gets closer and closer to the fire and what happens coat goes up in flames well he's running around people are chasing him down trying to get him they had to tackle him uh you know he ended up being taken away in an ambulance but you know he's young he's a kid he doesn't have all that wherewithal but that is he's showing more when you're a kid you're all instinct right you haven't learned all those skills but the instinct to get warm right is bigger you know than kind of the smart thing to do to get warm slowly or to maintain a certain level of warmth maybe that's not optimal but it's survivable right it's a tough tough balance yeah how do you conserve those resources um, maybe next season's going to be uh alone children in the arctic That'd children cool. in the arctic that could be true just pick the yeah. best boy scouts the best boy scouts yeah. the best girl scouts see oh which ones God. can make it <laughs> yeah well hopefully kylan will a will inspire the Girl Scouts to be more survival oriented because from my experience they've they're more community oriented which is great but um <laughs> not as much survival mm. in terms of the, the experiences there more like but street survival street smarts yeah well I love just talking again about the mental connection focusing on Kylan for a little bit she calls herself Roller Coaster Kai. We've seen it in different episodes, right? This, why we thought she was going to tap earlier. She just has these super highs and these super lows, right? Um, and she makes a comment later in the episode of how destructive the mind can be to yourself and being your own worst enemy. Um, and I thought that that was really palpable with her when you see her go through the ups and downs of losing those fish and knowing what each fish means those big trout up to a week of food right and knowing you're that close to the end and seeing that slip literally through your fingers is devastating um mm -hmm. yeah and she said you know in the after the post alone or, or the <laughs> what's they got What's the, what's the after Tales show? from the Arctic. Tales, Tales from, the, from Arctic. the Arctic. Yeah. She was saying that, um, you know, she, uh, what was it? She said she had seven of them on the line and, but only caught four of them or something. And if yeah. she, she knew that if she would have caught all seven, it would have taken her all the way. So yeah, it, I think there was a bit of a math, you know, like I talked about this before, but there's that mathematical spirit break where if like you're thinking too much about, oh, I have this much more. Uh, or well, we saw her happens, earlier that the good, roller coaster but... we saw her earlier in the episode club that fish and then she's just stacking fillets like she's tossing big face hundreds right and uh <laughs> couple 
couple scenes later, it's a complete different ball game, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, and what my question was, it was funny. I was thinking in my head, I was like, no way she like took a couple of days off and just didn't fish, right? You would still just have a routine of going and fishing, which literally yeah. is just plunk. You know, you're up and down with that rod. For well, Roland talked about it later. He's like, he says, I'm going to do a hundred or so plunks, you know, and then I'm getting mm -hmm. out of here, even on this terrible right. day. But he knew like, it's going to take a while, right? Blake, it's you good know. to have a count, I think, to be like, all right, I'm out, you know. <laughs> it, 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 it's just kind of, with ice fishing, it's, it's for them, you know, if you're an actual ice fisher, you know the depth of the lake, you know the patterns of the ice, you know you know, the, the schooling of the fish for them, it's just luck of the draw, you know, where they happen to be on the ice, whether they're near a drop off, whether the fish happen to be going by. And so like Roland was saying, you could like first drop, get a fish and then just sit there for eight hours, you know? And so right. I think he was he smart. He a little bit of, yeah, he had a little bit of optimism based on he had caught fish. He knew he was geographically in a similar position to where he had been before catching fish with danger rock but exactly it wasn't it's the conditions have changed so yeah i was honestly glad when roland went out and he wasn't able to catch a fish because i was like if this guy gets i mean this guy's just getting all the breaks and then sure enough you know we'll talk about him later but that porcupine shows up you know and you're like and come on this guy's just like you know it's like he's going to the grocery store just walks outside and <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Clubs of porcupine right out the door. Dude, the, 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 qu the quote that fucked me, or that I thought was hilarious, was he's all like, that's that's my favorite way to dispatch an animal is clubbing. <laughs> <laughs> my, my favorite. First of all, my, my first of all favorite. I've never heard the word dispatch used in any context that wasn't written, so I was impressed by that. Right. But just the, the idea that, yeah, that's how I like to get them done, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, funny. We're, we've all lived in New York. We've all gone clubbing, but it has a different meaning, right? That's not different, not the same thing, right? And we've all, you know, been dispatched, right? You know, a taxi or something like that. But uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, different context here. Not the same context. Um, talking about Kylan again was the difference, like we've talked about other survival shows right? Dual survival, naked and afraid, like the difference between being alone, right? And being with someone else, like Kylan's got so much experience. She's got a really strong relationship. She leads people on long expeditions. She's got a lot of skills. We saw those snowshoes she made. Amazing, right? Um, those are cool. Yeah, those are but she cool. was saying that she's acquired a lot of these skills kind of as part of a team and she's been working for a larger group. She's had more resources. So with that mind aspect, she says that her partner has been so strong, she's leaned on him a little bit and it's made her feel almost more like a sidekick, right? And so through this relationship with nature and being out on her own, she's working on kind of being a stronger individual. Every high you know, and low in her Kai roller coaster helps her get to a new plateau. Um, and she's saying that ultimately um, everybody's talking about, and it sounds sometimes like platitudes, right? Well, this experience helped me grow and this is great. And right. maybe internally they're like, fuck, I missed the, you know, 
million dollars or whatever but <laughs> it would be i still think it's but she does seem like yeah you would be a stronger partner having gone through an experience like that i don't you you might know the name of this psychological bias or phenomenon scott but it's when you like sometimes if you're really close to getting something but then you don't get it it's worse than if you weren't ever close to begin with like it might be harder on kylan or callie yeah psychologically to have lost at such a late stage than it would be for <laughs> one of our earlier people who you know was out well before i, mean, I do think that i do think the one thing that helps you in this challenge versus the other ones is you're competing against that 100 days so you know it doesn't really matter there is a um, finite number right yeah there's a number like in the other ones, like that kind of fucks with you, right? The idea that I don't know where I'm at. I don't know if anyone else is still alive or around until they pull, pull me out. But here, I don't have to think about that. I have to go for 100. Either I get to 100 or I don't. And that takes, it's a super hard challenge, but it does take that uncertainty out of it. Yeah, but the uncertainty the, seems like a really tough X factor. Mm -hmm. But the Uncertainty the, is huge, yeah psychologically speaking done the math where she knows you know how many days a fish getter or a rabbit get them so she's like i need one more fish right so could you imagine you're catching one fish away that fish you could look at it as like a million dollar fish whereas That's that one she guy said yeah he's like man he's still got to build an entire log cabin he's so far he's the other guy made a hot tub right he made a hot tub he's he like a pig and shit but then he lost the fair rod and and right. game over right oh my so. god i i almost forgot that that's this season that feels like so long ago <laughs> yeah the guy who made the hot tub <laughs> excellent scavenger right excellent utilitarian of the environment but not a good long-term plan right well there's always one there's always <laughs> one person that loses the damn pharaoh rod and yeah and yeah. yeah but not to jump ahead too much but I, I in terms of ways to go i do think that it would be hard to be that close and choose to tap out even though you know it's just you know one final push one more fish mm -hmm. that would be harder than in callie's case she put it all out there like she didn't make the decision to leave. Nope. She had nothing she left. Yeah, they just I'm so it. inspired by her. I, I was so yeah. inspired by her as like a human, just like the the resilience and the fortitude and the strength. You're like, I couldn't I was really that was mm -hmm. like my biggest comment was as soon as she like left, I was like, Man, that was like a, she's an inspirational person. Inspirational, yeah. She used she had a fortitude, a mental fortitude that allowed her to be so resilient in, it was the opposite of um, Kylan, you know, because Kylan's emotions propelled her at some times and emotions are like that. They're big, they're forceful, they push you around, but in ways that are hyperbolic, right? They go up and down like that roller coaster she was talking about. But totally. Callie was much more even, you know? And yeah. she had her disappointments, but she always tried to kind of keep that at a distance that negativity that hey okay i'll do this I'll, I'll adapt i'll change i'll do this and and certainly kylan did that as well right but after a period of distress right or discomfort 
Whereas yeah, Callie, Callie was, was more the consistent, easy. She had a more easy manner about her. That's a concept they talk about. Easy manner. You know, she approached things more easily. Um, well, also, I, like I said, if can we move on to Callie? Do we feel like we? Yep. Hit? Yeah. Let's okay. do it. So, I feel like with, like I said, Callie was super impressive through this whole thing. I mean, the the understanding of you know the white spots on the <clears throat> on the organs not to eat them and then postponing that until she decided it was, you know, realized that like when she touched it and all that, all that was so interesting. Once I realized I had cut it all up, I was already potentially infected. I wouldn't have known that. And then for her to, you know, be smart about it, make that work, have the thorn in her and say, oh man, I'm going to have to cut it open, you know, and just like have that just be a matter of fact, that's not like, she was so kept the cool the whole time. Yeah, she had a serious uh, calm under pressure, a sang froid, if you will. <laughs> well, and that's so important in terms of emotional reasoning is the ability to delay making a decision until you reach a different point. And so, with that porcupine, she knew it was a food source. She hoped to get another food source, but. At the same time, she was evaluating those other factors and weighing the pros and cons right around that decision. So that was pretty impressive. Well, this is also another <clears throat> little side note, but after I finished the episode, I uh, decided to check out Roland on Instagram. I found it, he just ran Roland, it's like <laughs> Last Woodsman. Yeah. And he's got a hilarious, I mean, clearly he's not like an Instagram person, but he's done some podcasts. And I listened to a part of one of the podcasts and the, my favorite, there was two parts to this. I just want to tell you guys. One was, uh, they said, okay, if you could be pinned up against any other famous survivalist, we're talking Bear Grylls, Les Stroud, people from Naked and Afraid, people from wherever, um, who do you think would be your stiffest competition? And he said, first thing he says, I'll put Kylan and Callie right up there as, you know, them. I mean, there's basically he put them above Bear Grylls, which I thought was mad respect. Bear, well, well Bear Grylls gets a lot of, uh, he, he doesn't have a lot of credibility in the survival world. Let's just put it that well, way. Well, he stays in hotels when he goes. Yeah. <laughs> He's got a lot of support. Yeah, a lot of support. He's real good um, at uh, repelling off a... Uh, a buried Snickers bar, though he can do that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you saw that one. Um, but uh, yeah. So and that was cool because he's also rolling this as I'm talking about. Is a little um, chauvinistic. He's a little bit elitist about like masculinity. In the same interviews, like you know, it was guys versus girls, but we guys, we got them. You know, like not yeah. sensitive to like egalitarianism or anything like that. And uh, but for him to he, show the cred that give them yeah. the respect of like these are serious survivalists. Well, I and that that through this really experience, cool. we'll get to it later, right? But though he kind of undervalued the maternal instincts and the things that his mom kind of put importance on as a youth, kind of looking for this more masculine identity, and then through this super selfish personal journey he gains appreciation of that, you know, and that's a pretty interesting arc, right, to go through, I think, as a person for him. And ultimately, you know, he has a sister, 
and obviously has a relationship with her and, and has that connection and admits some of his weaknesses or some of the sacrifices that he's made to get to this point, but recognizes they don't come without a cost, you know? And yeah. The and that's true of those... anyone who's very successful at something very specific, right? That there's a kind of a trail of often people who are left behind, right? People who are often very successful in their yeah. businesses often have failed relationships, right? Or things like that. So. Yeah, because they're putting in all their eggs in the career basket and not enough in the other baskets. But, <clears throat> but there was one other thing from the interview that I liked I wanted to tell you guys, which was just that he, he also said Kylan made those Olympic medals for each one and he got the gold or whatever. And, and he said that that is one of his like favorite possessions. Like, like that she, he was like the fact that she made that out of the resources out there and gave it to me. He's honestly, he's just like an old, he's like a, um, he's like a like man of like something that you'd read in like the frontiersman or something like that of like this person traded this with me and that therefore that held the highest value over right relative you know, something value you'd buy versus, or whatever yeah. no it's like a very important token and i thought that he had a, i thought that was a real cool i i don't know i like that about it well let's talk about we talk about the different physiques you know and the men versus women but even men and women, there's a lot of differences, right? And Callie, making it so far, she's on a thin frame, right? And her nose, everybody's dude, did you see the bridge of her oh, nose? Oh yeah, was so it was gone. coming through. She looked very anorexic at the end. It was you could see those when you see those cheekbones coming through like that, and you see the skeletal features. And she looked you like know forty years were, older. Yeah. yeah, and they were saying it just takes like four hundred calories walking in the snow for you know less than an hour. Um, and she's doing that to try to check her trap line. And there's a point where you're, there's this law of diminishing returns. You realize, what am I really going to get out of this versus what am I gaining? Um, they said she lost 10 pounds in 10, two weeks. Well, 10 pounds for someone who has a larger body mass is a lot different than 10 pounds for someone True. who's, you know, uh, smaller much yeah. smaller proportional proportional yeah. weight loss big time difference and she just said my body doesn't hold weight like you know it's not it's a it's a disadvantage that she had going in um so that's something definitely she i would have loved to have seen all the before with. and after you know they did that with, with uh naked and afraid i was like <clears throat> they'd show the before and afters of people the way their bodies look and stuff like that and they would give the stats of total weight loss and things and I thought that would have right. been interesting extras to add an on. Interesting but... look. The, the other thing was the differential between, we always talk with all our different participants between the energy they put into survival versus the energy they put into like diversion. And Callie struck an interesting balance. We kind of often criticize people for not, um, for doing crafts and things like that. But she seemed like she was able to balance it out where she wasn't wasting a lot of energy, but she derived a lot of mental kind of stimulation and totally, resilience yeah. through some of her crafts. And some of her crafts were also functional, right? She does her little fashion show, right? Tips her cap to Jordan from season six. Right. And, 
makes her rabbit vest with the buttons and everything else. And that was cool. And that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, we saw it with Kylan too making those snowshoes. Those are much more functional. But what a work of art, right? When you looked at those things in terms of the braiding, and she even put some, you know, colored adornments on there. Yeah, like, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, so. Callie also, I was also appreciating her her shelter that um the mud, uh the mud hearth or whatever, like the hearth that was made of like stone and secured with mud was so awesome looking in the in the winter time. Like it yeah. just looked like she really had it sealed in I mean it was just a really well it it showed how cool that is because clearly once it's that cold, you're not harvesting any mud. She right. got that. She right got it time. early and when she was it. doing it she knew it was at a crucial period where it was going to be colder she wasn't going to be able to get it anymore and yeah. it paid off that that investment in the chimney you saw how much kylan struck struggled right with the smoke right in the shelter and so both roland and callie you know they put a lot of energy in and um our other participant you know, Joe is Joel as well, right? He had a great sort of hearth going on. Other things got to him, but that seemed like a really important build and something that people I think in future seasons will definitely focus on, right? Is the durability of the shelter and specifically the functionality of the chimney as it's such a multi-functional and vital part of the survival enterprise right so much yeah creating warmth and cooking and everything else should we get on to the man of the hour talk about well rolling? i mean the only thing we didn't talk about with cali is the frostbite right so i i think we should oh, true look at that a yeah. little bit you know she was doing pretty well but that's something it's a race against time she knew that she had to keep warming up that toe and it really got in the way of her giving extra it all handicap. out on fishing, extra handicap, you know, and she was frustrated so by it. Amazing how she was able to get that uh, porcupine quill out. I mean, the contrast in how she dealt with the porcupine versus Roland, you know, she didn't have that technique of burning off the quills. So there was that risk there. She was still able say, to yeah. do it. But um, that knowledge was really great for Roland. He just completely bypassed that whole risk um dude roland yeah roland did this on several occasions where they did contrast of they had the mark the guy who put his meat what did we call that cash up in the tree right and then uh you know he gets infested with the he's getting eaten by the wolverine and then the very next scene is roland yeah i'm building a meat crib i'm not going up in a tree and you know this whole thing yeah. And then with the porcupine, the direct, you know, she, I was noticing that. I was like, yeah, when she was getting these porcupines, she's kind of like handling them how, it seemed like she was um, more cavalier with the way she was dealing with it. And he was very uh, wary of, you know, can't put a, put a wire around it so you don't have to touch it and hang it yeah. over the fire. And I thought all that was brilliant. Yeah. Well, last kind of rounding out Callie, you know, again, that psychological resilience, her comment about this uh, Cajun sparkle, you know, something inside joke she has with her sister seems silly and kind of 
um, off the wall there for a second, but you could saw, see how it generated this well of positive emotions for her. And you can imagine how powerful that is to be able to harness that type of a, a mantra, right? Almost to, to focus your mind and. Yeah, she was basically summoning her sister to be there with her, you know? Yeah. Which is powerful so. stuff. That means you're not alone. That's right. That's well, right. related to Roland, he realizes at the end, and, and I didn't even realize this, everything, every time he refers to anything, it's we. Man, we got to brush out this uh, this walkway. We got to get down there and get some water. And then at the end, right? the clicks, he's, he's like, maybe we was me and her the whole time, him and his mom, as he's looking at the picture. And he's like, she was right here with me. So he's doing wow, that same technique dude. where the whole time, and I, the, the interesting thing about him is he's so tough and calloused on the outside is I don't even think he realized he was using that as a psychological tool to cope. Yeah. That would be really powerful if you were waking up every day and you had, obviously it's easier to take sometimes, you know, like if you live with someone else, it's, you almost want to care for the space more than if you're just there on your own. Right. Because you well, know, that's, that's part motivation. of the camera thing too. We've talked about before, right. Being alone, but using the camera as a mirror, right. And an audience to reduce that isolation. So, um, yeah, I think a real uh, maybe the next winner will be just a pure narcissist, <laughs> just wants to just check themselves out, you know, happy, happy, just like looking in a mirror all day. Well, you see with Roland, which is a, a natural process in development, of he talks about being younger and being more mothered and and sort of then becoming a teenager and sort of splitting away and focusing more on his father and establishing his identity and graduates high school, but then kind of breaks away and really focuses on this independent lifestyle. And for most people, that's a natural part of development is you sort of assume the identity or the values of your parents up until adolescence. And then you kind of cleave over to your peer group as you start to differentiate and then as you move into a later stage in adulthood, you integrate those two things together, right? Where you kind of keep what makes sense from your childhood, add to it from your own experience with your peers and yourself, and then create a new, more cohesive identity. So he's 48, you know, he turns 48, he says. So he's kind of got to that place a little bit later than some, um, but he's still getting there, right? That that progression is happening. So. One thing that I thought was interesting that he, he mentioned is, I think they were asking him, you know, how these thoughts were coming or these, or I don't even think they asked him. I think he was just talking about it. He's like, when you're alone this long, you just keep going deeper and deeper inward in these things, these memories, these things of, of his mother or of his childhood and these things just start bubbling up and it takes a long time of just being alone to even allow those things and, and the silence he talks about you hear the science yeah. silence and then you can start hearing your deceased mother's voice singing choir songs and these that things that was the most right. beautiful that that was the most yeah. touching moment for me by far that was like wow roland's like kind of a philosopher mm. yeah like, but i i know? think that and, and i don't think i've ever experienced that where 
I've been alone in sort of a, a type of solitude for that long where you can kind of start tapping into these things that you didn't, you totally forgot about these really kind of deep memories. And so I think that would be really interesting to experience that. Right. Yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. He was, he was thought he was so strong, but his ability to keep focused on the next expedition or the next adventure and the next thing separated him. And he said he was even regretting, right. He didn't go to the funeral. He had pushed away family he's so focused on this goal and when he kind of gets so deep into this goal that's what permits him to access some of these deeper feelings or that perspective so it's interesting that um evolution that we see with him just just again um, to tag on tag on to that <clears throat> um in the podcast interview the podcaster asked him did you follow up with your commitment to like bring family close to you and all that? And he just started laughing. He was like, nah, man, I had to just keep, you know me, I got to keep going. (laughs) 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 Which I thought was hilarious. It's like, yeah, yeah, I mean, he might've appreciating it on a philosophical level, but being kind of comfortable with it is a different thing. So knowing the skills to do it is a different thing. So. His Instagram is pretty funny, though. He is cashing in on this alone fame to the max. He uh, he had some thing where he's like, head down to so-and-so's bar and grill. They got the Rock House Burger on Rock House Burger, yeah. And he writes on his Instagram captions exactly as he speaks, too. Um, he's got this little survival tool that he's chilling. He's he's. He's making a oh, little yeah, the business card. Out of it. Yeah, a business card. It's a business card that has like a lure and like a knife on it, and all, all these. Yeah, things. it's like a metal business card, and you can punch out all these little tools if you ever oh, find yourself stranded. Yeah, you can buy RW sweatshirts, Roland Welker sweatshirts now. <laughs> <laughs> it's straight out, straight out of Rock House, like straight out of Compton shirts. Yeah, with his face just like. <laughs> gnawing on some muskox or whatever well, that might be the family helping him out a little bit too like our our friend um right with our cold challenges what who were we talking oh, about Wim Hof? you're talking about Wim Hof, Hof. right who sort of takes that philo- philosophical deep spirited journey and then it's become more commercial right over time yeah encouraged by his son or something yeah well i mean hey roland we had our money on him from day one almost like you could see when he talks about it at the end the editing obviously has helped show this progression but you can see that he had a plan and it was really gratifying at the end to see that he kind of fulfilled his plan he was like I'm going to make a shelter, right? A rock house. I'm going to kill a bull moose and I'm going to smoke my pipe, right? And oh, the pipe to, was incredible. Found a way to do all those things. Yeah. Um, like, what'd you think of that, uh, that makeshift pipe out of the, uh, out of the bone? He had like a vertebrae and a port. I don't know what the other thing was. It was, yeah, it was a, a uh, part of a rabbit femur that he had slurped the marrow out of and he yeah. into like a yeah. joint. <laughs> yeah. And then and how did he know? Like... I've never heard of smoking willow bark. Yeah. That's what I wanted to know. Is is it just purely kind of like a, a, a smoking <laughs> sensation? 
or do you get any kind of feeling from that you know must have been some sort of calming effect because yeah i mean just smoking wood is not a good feeling right we saw that with kyla uh, and she wasn't having a good time just smoking wood (laughs) hot boxing uh logs (laughs) dude seriously for me when i saw that scene where he was like basically showing that he thrived like he was like yeah i got my food here i'm smoking this you know I a lot of people like the underdog in sporting events you know to come back and win I always kind of like when someone who's really good is able to do some serious damage or whatever and that's for me that was satisfying in some weird way it's all like man he just killed it and then when his sister shows up he just cracks open a whole nother femur full of marrow he had some extra marrow and they were like toasting like they're having a drink you know and they're toasting marrow uh (laughs) <laughs> yeah that's rock oh, that's house butter right there <laughs> <laughs> which actually, and she was like she's like it's actually pretty good marrow yeah, is her uh, face showed a little bit different but she she went along with it <laughs> they say that that bone marrow is what excel what, what accelerated human development because it's so nutrient dense and uh it's uh such high fat and that ancient hominids I don't know, discovered that they could go to carcasses that a lion or whatever had left and crack open the marrow bone, the the bones with rocks. And then that like flood of nutrients is what led to people growing bigger brains and standing more upright. And so actually that was like, that's like really, you know, the, the, the butter of, of nature. So you probably could have lasted a while on that. The butter, right? If we changed it to D, right? To budding of civilization there. So there you go. <laughs> what about Roland here? I mean, he showed a willingness to adapt and survive and dig into the face, right? And get all parts and just utilize everything to get the maximum out of it. And Ugh. when he, he I went into that, he went into that berry cache and so he was disappointed at the mold who got in there. He's really banking on that for some vitamin C. And then he has saved that old leathered stomach. Oh, yeah. Cracks that bad boy open. And through his research, right, he's figured out that he can eat some of that partially digested. They called it uh, chime, right? Chime. Yeah. <laughs> chime. Did you guys ever growing up have that those like bricks of frozen spinach? Like, did your parents ever whip yeah, those out? Yeah, I've used those. Yeah, they're all watery it, and yeah. it reminded me of that, but like 10 times nastier. <laughs> oh my god. Those didn't have a sour smell. And the sour smell here, he was saying that's a good thing, right? That sour smell is showing us that it's edible. Um so. There's one other thing you guys should know that I learned, again, sorry to keep adding on this podcast, but it really was useful. He said he reads constantly. He said if he could get paid to read, he wouldn't work another day in his life. He'd just be happy to do that. And you get this. He he just must always be reading about all things survival to just have that. It's such a breadth of uh, knowledge and wisdom. I, to the, all the way down to this idea that you can eat partially digested grasses if they've been through the intestine of another animal. Like, right. You couldn't do it before because you don't have the organs 
or the digestive system to do it. But if another animal's done it for you, you can benefit from it. And that's kind of like Blake was saying with the marrow. It's amazing. My favorite thing also, just one other thing, is that now I know that. I love that I know that we know it. Dan, if we we can bust open a cow and just go to town (laughs) on the stomach if we need to. (laughs) Maybe that'll become like a delicacy, you know, and like the the New York kind of like a kombucha. Yeah, like a kombucha because it's sort of soured. Yeah. (laughs) Kimchi, kind of a kimchi salted. It's a great (laughs) probiotic, I'm sure. Right. I think I'm going to start yeah, describing it's a postbiotic, being, right? <laughs> yeah, postbiotic. I'm going to start describing foods being like, yeah, this tastes like it's been through the intestine of a muscat. Just how this tastes. <laughs> no, it's good. No, it's really good. It's but, sour, you know. but nutritious, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. I got one other little um, thing I want you guys to chime in on. What about? Roland's clearly divorced from his family almost entirely. He's also divorced from the rest of society entirely. Mm-hmm. His sister shows up and they have to, they share a moment, but it's a little different because you're used to um, like a loved one, like, a, 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 I mean, Spouse. she's definitely a loved one to him, but I think that they're so, he's been so independent from her. You get the sense that they she's share like a connection through on. blood, right? And she's supportive of him, but how much? closeness do they share right day to day yeah the distance in the whole thing her clothes are obviously ones of comfort where his are ones of (laughs) pure survival she's got like a coat looks like it was bought at a department store right and uh she's not going to be staying out there too long uh, after she toasts that bone marrow but dan i i totally noticed that though the awkward high five yeah like kind of like forced and just shaking our fists at each other like yay (laughs) yeah instead i feel like he wants to he wants to he understands that he wants that connection but he shows he's like yeah i've been in a crowd but i felt alone like he just doesn't have those skills right and so instead of working on developing those skills he's kind of gone in the opposite direction and that's been sufficient for him to kind of fill his time dollars. and fill his need or win a million dollars <laughs> but it's still a deficiency right um totally yeah yeah it's i mean it makes sense the guy who wins alone for a hundred days in the woods should be pretty like insular you know that just makes yeah. that kind of makes sense of it yeah right and any misgivings he has come through under extreme stress but take away that extreme stress and those kind of questioning goes away, right? So as soon as he wins a million dollars, now he's more validated in the fact that I'm fucking awesome, right? I can do what I want, right? Yeah. Like I, don't, I don't need anybody else. Like when you're out there and you're unsure, right? It's a different, more vulnerable position. Um, so now that change is probably a big part of that. Um, not staying as consistent with that. So he's had an interesting, I, you know, I thought he was wearing the bare mitts. We've seen it in other seasons. I thought it was pretty interesting where he talked about kind of being dormant with his 18 hour days. He's almost hibernating. He's saying he's not really like, he's getting into like a half existence, right? Where his conscious thought is kind of dissolving. His active processing is kind of dissolving. 
he's neither asleep nor awake, right? Um, yeah, so I thought was that was a cool. As it gets so cold, yeah. you would you would naturally like all your rhythms between like you know would slow and your your yeah. routine would slow and your everything would just come to this crawling pace which we don't think about that in humans we think other animals do that but you're showing the adaptability what's that switch why we're so successful the amazingness of humans is our adaptability not right a, a jack of all trades or ability to kind of succeed and do a lot of things at least adequately right so we're not as good at hibernating as a bear but we can slow it down right and we can still survive um conserving resources and doing things that we don't always uh prize right as skills like in our modern daily life yeah dude you just reminded me of one other amazing rolling quote and then we should probably wrap it up <clears throat> But I loved how he's a, like, he's like, he's eating on something. And he's like, kind of being like a savage, like, like kind of growl. And he's like, now I understand why dogs get growly when they're on the bone. <laughs> I know. I love that too. I love that so pivot. Good. I love the pivot because I was like, oh, he's really becoming a savage. And then I was like, no, this is kind of an act. And it's also kind of him getting into the empathy of the persona, right, of his surroundings, yeah, right? So, yeah, yeah, he had some distance from it. it. wasn't just like he's just completely lost it and now he's a feral being. No, he was just saying, hey, I can respect this. Like, I'm eating on this bone. It feels good because I'm starving and I'm making these noises, but I also understand that's kind of artificial, right? <laughs> yeah dude i i just loved it i thought that was so good i would love to find some real world applications for oh uh, just don't mind so and so he's just a bit growly on the bone <laughs> <laughs> yeah. when, when when one of you guys are in a bad mood or something like well blake sometimes he gets a little growly on the bone <laughs> tell that to your girlfriend or wife right here <laughs> what was the other quote dan clubbing an animals my favorite oh, way oh, uh, yes he, what did you say he's all like my my favorite way of dispatching an animal is my clubbing. <laughs> one last thing that we didn't talk to about him in terms of challenges was that whiteout right that's a condition we haven't seen i don't know if you guys have but we were skiing right we've gotten some situations close to that but you know to go down the mountain right <laughs> you could see some things um Dude, man, I have a bad yeah. story about a whiteout. Being <laughs> out on the uh, the lake like that, that is intense. Was intense. Um, Dude, I got to tell you the story. So, all right, uh, I was in Kodiak, Alaska, and my buddy and I decided to go backcountry camping. The, all the bears, the biggest bears in the world, Gr Kodiak Grizz, were down feeding at the water. You know, trying to get the salmon mm -hmm. that were doing their run. And so we, uh, though we thought it was safe, we brought like maps and um, a shotgun that we got to do this just in case. Anyway, we're going up into the mountains following the ridge lines because there's no trees up above the ridge line and you can kind of see and that way follow the map. Anyway, we walk straight into a whiteout and it's just it, the, the clouds were just pouring over this mountain and we that was where we were supposed to go. So we went into it and then it was so we set up our tent because you couldn't see where you were going at all 
and uh the whole thing we we slept there when i went to go like make the fire i had to go like collect resources and it was hard to find where the tent was even like a hundred yards away or whatever. yeah it was yeah. super intense and just to cap this dumb <laughs> story off uh, when we woke up and uh, the, the clouds broke, we saw that we were next to this dugout about like an eight foot diameter circle and uh, realized it was a bear den right <laughs> next to our tent. <gasps> and I just remember being like, man, this is one of those where it's close call. Oh, it's so fun. We get to tell a yeah. story and all this. And it's great, but it easily could have just been like, yeah, well, Dan died because he went, you know, backcountry yeah. camping went in Kodiak. Camp out. Like, yeah, and yeah, in a whiteout. Didn't know what the fuck he was doing, right? <laughs> yeah, no fucking clue. He had a tiny ass <laughs> shotgun that wasn't going to do a goddamn thing. If you could even get it loaded, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We did hunt some ptarmigan up there, which was the only thing I've ever uh, hunted in my entire life, which was a whole other story, but I'll spare <laughs> <laughs> well we saw some of those things in alone right for sure yeah yeah uh, similar landscape last great photo with uh roland winning and him notching that hundred days on the tree you know what that a, was great what an image i love that one mission accomplished right that right is great to see so what do we uh what do we think the next season's gonna be what location what duration what, what spin are they gonna put on this one uh i'm thinking under the sea, deep sea, uh, survival. I was thinking straight desert and they were gonna be sleeping in camelbacks or like, <laughs> like in the belly of a camel or <laughs> I think under the sea, it's gonna be how long can you survive? They're gonna have to create their own artificial pods down there and wow, and do spear fishing. Engineering, it's an engineering program. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah I, I got the sense Blake, that they were going to do another arctic i think that's what they said unless i think I they're getting into the groove with that it. yeah they're, they've given they're up on like the, the patagonia oh, wow. they're just going to use this this area there's enough diversity it's a huge place right so with that slave lake um more it's more of a competition now right it's kind of one season versus the other and the more consistency just like any sport, right? The more consistency between competitions, the more you're able to compare. So That's it's cool. a little apples and oranges with that is, Patagonia that is and some of those yeah. different areas. So I think they've found that kind of people are interested enough just in the survival factor. The geography matters not so much because they're all kind of static environments in the end, right? They're only moving five miles max. Um, Doesn't bother me a bit. Yeah, I think I'm happy to cool see another Arctic go. If they got a couple like actual Inuits or like Nanook people to to like Compete. ringers in the mix, yeah. yeah, some some natives that are just this is just this isn't a challenge. This is just life. You mean just big meat hooks and seals and <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> yeah. Uh... Well, guys, I'm going to miss this. This has been a fun experience doing the podcast with you. Yeah, it's been great. I mean, great show. So thankful. Obviously, our comments are just a uh, cursory addition to a great show that took a lot of effort by a lot of people, but 
happy to be able to put in our two cents and uh and, and be a part of it yeah hang out so yeah man <laughs> we'll be back right, guys <clears throat> yeah right, we'll, we'll be, be back. back we'll be back for something <laughs> peace yeah if it's not alone it'll be uh real housewives so that'll be maybe option yeah. two so. we got to get our bravo uh <laughs> lineup for the fall you know how bar do they rescue. survive in beverly bar hills, we do bar right? rescue bar rescue <laughs> could be good how do they survive in beverly hills right or the we could do my 600 pound life i've been watching a little bit of that like survival within yourself right you have ultimate resources but your resources <laughs> are killing you right so. <laughs> that's a different issue isn't it? yeah, that's whole... your tent is your body right yeah. <laughs> all right guys well hey good talking i'll we'll talk soon and all right thanks alone fans for bearing with us <laughs> see you guys peace, peace.